Inside Books with Breda Brown. Welcome to Inside Books, a programme about the magical world of writing. I'm Breda Brown and in each episode of Inside Books we chat to people associated with the world of books, including well-known authors, publishers, editors, agents, critics, booksellers and more. You'll find Inside Books on SoundCloud or iTunes and our Twitter handle is at InsideBooksIRE where you'll also find lots of other interesting books news. My guest today is Elizabeth MacDonald, an academic who was born in Ireland and now lives in Italy, where she teaches English at the University of Pisa. Elizabeth has written a range of short stories and essays, and she also translates literary works into Italian. She's just written her first novel. It's called A Matter of Interpretation and is set in 13th century Europe. It focuses on what happens when the Pope deems the translation of the works of Aristotle to be heretical, the resulting battle of four power between church and state and how the fallout from this has shaped how we view the world today. Elizabeth, writing about medieval Europe, I mean, the first thing that I thought was the amount of meticulous research that you probably had to do to get it right. Um, Hello, BDS. It's a pleasure to be here. Inside Books is always interesting. You're right. um, It took quite a lot of research, a lot. Um, However, the, uh, the ironic thing is that Basically, when you do a lot of research like that, um, it then may need to be jettisoned because, for example, doing research means my protagonist walks into a room. uh, Does he feel the breeze on his face because there's no glass in the window? Did they have glass in windows at that stage? You may jettison that fact because it's just not necessary to the actual plot. Right. But I have to feel very, very intensely what my protagonist is feeling. In other words, the sense of place is very, very important. And a lot of research goes into that. But it basically is part of the foundation and strong foundations are generally invisible. So a lot of background research, but it may not actually show on the page in details. So why did you choose that timeline then? Okay, well, um, I studied Italian at UCD way back in the day. And I have to say that I've always had a fascination for the figure of Frederick II, um, the Holy Roman Empire. He did try and establish a humane, enlightened uh, empire that promoted uh, access to learning, which, I mean, it's it's what democracy is all about, really. So, yes, it's a bit of an oxymoron. It's an empire promoting access to uh, learning and therefore a little bit more equality. But just the figure of the man, he was definitely a giant um, who had a rather tragic uh, trajectory, personally speaking. Um, he figures in Dante's Divine Comedy, which was another um, major part of my Italian course. So I I was fixated on him for quite a while, but it was when I began to do, uh, to research the figure, because I did feel I wanted to tell some kind of a story because Palermo, which is where his, his court was, um, represented a coming together of disparate strands of humanity, uh, Greek, uh, Sicilian, Arabic, um, mainland Italian as well, and they uh, and Jewish, and they all just seemed to blend together. And so it was, um, to a lesser extent, the convivencia that you, I saw taking place in Spain, in Toledo, for example, where um, different strands of humanity came together and uh, forwarded the march of civilization. It's where mankind can work together and 
bring about a higher level of civilization. Something about that appealed to me. I've always loved what is different. And that is why I think ultimately I did move to Italy in in the first really? place. Yeah. And so obviously all of that was percolating then in the background. So how did you then come up with the plot for the book? OK, well, the, when I got into researching um, Frederick II, at a certain point, I came across the figure of uh, his Scottish tutor. Now, Michael Scott is the name of this man. He was a cleric. Um, and of course, I do mix fact with fiction. So Frederick and Michael Scott, they both existed. I have invented some of the characters in the book, but I would say about 50% of them are actually people who who did exist. I came across the figure of this Scottish cleric. He was known as Michael the Mathematician in Oxford, and he was so brilliant in mathematics that the Pope um, put him forward as a tutor for the young King Frederick, as he was at that time. Now, the man was wayward and brilliant and uh, a bit of a tough nut, um, unpredictable. And he would have been seen as a northern barbarian. He was the quintessential outsider because at that time things really were reversed. It's paradoxical, but the north of Europe would have been seen as being barbarian, whereas it was the Mediterranean hub that was the centre of civilization. I knew I'd found my outsider. I knew I had found um, a filter outsider's eyes through which I could examine this Mediterranean hub of civilization. It's always good to approach things, I think, from a slant. So that was when I knew I'd, I'd found the actual story. And you work in translation mm. as well. And translation is a huge part of the story. They do say right mm. about what you know, which is exactly <laughs> what you did. Well, that's true. I, I feel very deeply about that. Translation, it's basically, it's a, a very deep engagement with, with language. And having studied Italian, um, well, I studied French at school, but that didn't go very far, didn't go very well either. (laughs) So I started something completely different at university, which was um, Italian. I was also studying music and I figured, well, Italian, you know, the the language of uh, music. But it took me in a completely different direction. It took me to Italy where I wound up teaching English. So uh, those are the two languages I have engaged with most. And translating means that you you examine very, very deeply nuances, tones, um, uh, just the meaning of words and how they their equivalences in other languages and how things can get lost in translation as well. What is translatable and what is not translatable? There, there's a certain silent point in a translation which is very, very important as well. What can speak and what will just actually remain hidden? Um, I actually have translated poetry and I found myself, um, so it's a little bit unusual, I suppose, but I found myself translating from English into Italian. I've translated a lot of English language poets into um, uh, Italian. And one Italian poet in particular, Mario Luzzi, he'd be um, a very firm favourite of mine, along with Montale. I've translated them into into English. Interesting. So you have an insight into how all of that works. And that's what you brought to the book. Yeah, that's right. The, the importance of language, because I, I, I've spoken about disparate strands of humanity, but they all bring their own languages, and which means that they all, all bring their own subjective experiences of what the world is, because a language is um, a certain race or a certain country or a certain people's, that's probably a better word, a certain people's experience of what the world is filtered through words. So, I mean, you have Sicilian, you have um, 
Tuscan, you have what's Arabic, you have uh, the language that the Jews are speaking, probably in 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 um, Spain, Ladino, for example, as well. Um, so there are um, uh, Provencal as well. These are all languages that, you know, that's disappeared and French and whatever form of English that they were speaking um, in, in Britain at that time. Um, just many, many uh, disparate strands of, of language. So it's many different peoples and many different languages and how they can actually come together and you get a crystallization of what the world was feeling and where it was heading at a certain time in history. And the beginning of the 13th century was a tipping point. Absolutely. And as you say, you mix the fact with the fiction and and that really, really comes through with the book. How long did it take to write? It took ages, to be quite (laughs) honest. I'm not surprised. It it did. It took ages. I I shouldn't be, you know, maybe leaning on this too heavily, but um, the idea proto idea came to me about the year 2000. That was when I was focusing on Frederick. But I then had my um, a baby in 2002. I don't know what was going on, but suddenly, bang, that was when I found my protagonist. So, you know, I was beginning to write the actual novel just when I'd had a baby. So, I mean, you're, you're everything happens at the same time. Dad, yeah. <laughs> so that's a lot of juggling going on. So that took a lot of time. And then there was the, the element of research. And then there was the fact that, yes, I brought it to an end. And there were a couple of years when there's nothing happened. Nothing happened. Nothing happened as in, were you approaching publishers? That's right. And it was just was going nowhere. So um, Why was that? What, what were they saying to you? Well, I wasn't actually getting a lot of feedback, to be quite honest. Um, and I, I may have been approaching the, the wrong publishers. I'm not really sure. I did take it in hand again then after a couple of years and rewrite the beginning. Right. Mm. So I think that was when um, I got an agent and uh, pretty soon after that, then I got a publisher. So clearly I just needed to do a little bit more work on the novel and it was ready then to be sent out. Interesting, because a lot of authors do say that sometimes, you know, making sure the novel is ready Mm -hmm. before you send it out and Mm -hmm. don't send it out too early. So that may have been been your case. And also it's historical fiction and it's quite a niche uh, area. Do you think that maybe some publishers just didn't realise what they had? in their hands? Um, I'm I'm not really sure, to be quite honest, because I had been reading quite a lot of um, interesting historical fiction myself. It's a, a genre that I do actually really like because I don't see it so much as being niche. I, I do see historical fiction as having a very important role because time for me, for example, it's, it's, it's not a linear um, tra- trajectory. It's not circular either. I would see it as helix shaped. It's a, a two-stranded flow between past and present and they feed into each other. So you can revisit the past and bring something back from the past to the present that will enrich your understanding of the present. Uh, present rather, when you see parallels between past and present, I think that's when you you can learn. And historical fiction, I think, if it's um, if it's of a certain kind, it can afford readers a new vision, a new take on the present. Absolutely. And a reminder of what did happen in the past and maybe That's not right. mistakes. You there know? it is. Exactly. And in terms of editing, I'm interested as well, because obviously with any book, uh, when it's submitted, there is an editing process. I'm trying to figure out, was your editor an expert on the 13th century Europe or how did that work? OK, well, here's the thing. Um, if I can just approach that at a, a, a bit of a slant. First of all, I'll just say my editors were brilliant. But a po- approaching that from a bit of a slant, um, I would look at a historical 
a novel um, under three points of view. One is the chronology, the time frame. Then you have the characters and then you have the sense of place. Now, for me, of paramount importance are the characters and the sense of place. Because if you do not feel anything for your characters, you're just not going to have a good story and readers will not engage. Ditto for the sense of place. It really has to, you have to bring a place alive through a real evocation of what it was like all those years ago. Now, the chronology then is like a framework on which you can hang characters and sense of place. So it's, it's basically like the scaffolding that surrounds your edifice of characters and sense of place. I think my editors took that point of view as well, that basically the most important thing was characters and sense of place. I know that they had it checked and thoroughly by an expert looking for historical facts. But my actual editor and um, the head editor looked at it from a macro point of view. That is the overall narrative arc and where is it going and how are the characters feeding into this, um, which was absolutely invaluable for me. Um, It just it managed to pull the strings together um, at an overall at a macro level, as it were, which gave consistency. Then my other editor looked at it from a micro point of view and she was going through it with a fine tooth comb language wise and ensuring that there was consistency uh, grammatically, um, linguistically, lexically, whatever, and for almost 400 pages. So both of them did absolutely Trojan work, invaluable. And then they had the the novel checked historically um, by another editor as well, just to make sure that the facts were were okay. And you're actually with Fairlight Books and they're a new publisher that have been sort of specifically set up to promote uh, new writers. So how have you found working with them? I have absolutely adored it. They're wonderful. Louise, the CEO, and Urtka, my um, editor as well, she was the the person referring to the the micro-editing. It has been a a pleasure from beginning to end and they take such good care of you. It's um, been painless. It's been a pleasure. Um, They have absolutely fantastic vision of what they want from fiction and in the space of less than I think it's about two years they have brought out a magnificent series of novellas um, many of which have gone on to be nominated for awards when not winning awards with a very distinctive uh, design cover jacket design Um, I think there must be about 10 of them, if not a dozen at this stage of these novellas that just um, have make ha, have had great success with the public as well. Um, so just uh, innovative, um, visionary uh, and just a, a flair. And it's important, that relationship and they're is nice so people. important. <laughs> More to the point, exactly. Yeah. And are, is the book being sold in other countries now? Um I'm not really sure about that. I know it's being sold in um, Britain and Ireland. I'm not really sure, but I think it, it's been looked into at the moment about the United States. Um, right. I've been just trying to mind my own business, keep my head down, and just make sure <laughs> that I've been doing the readings all right. <laughs> but I think they're looking into the United States at the moment. And what are you working on at the moment? Okay, um, I'm actually, I've, I've got an idea for a new novel, but I'm... I'm keeping that definitely under wraps at the moment. It's very much in the embryo stage. So I'm trying to keep all the energy in there and just let it ferment for a while. Just tell me, though, what era is it set in? (laughs) I think it's going to be historical again. Right. Yeah, but not not so remote this time. And do you think you would ever change that genre and do something else? Absolutely. Um, I have another. I'm actually... 
a little bit in conflict at the moment because I have an idea for another historical novel, but I do also have another one for a contemporary novel. So um, we'll just I'm going to play them out for a while and just see which one takes over at a certain point, because I have to be swept away by the idea before I'll invest a number of years in the writing of it. Absolutely, because you Mm. have to love it. You're going to spend every day with them, you know. Well, we look forward to hearing and reading more to the point uh, your your next work. Elizabeth MacDonald, thank you for joining us here on Inside Books and you'll find Elizabeth's book, A Matter of Interpretation, in your local bookshop now. The next episode of Inside Books will be out soon. Just keep an eye on our Twitter feed for details. The handle is at InsideBooksIRE. And if you want to hear other episodes, just search for us on SoundCloud or iTunes and don't forget to leave us a rating or review. I'm Breda Brown. Until next time, keep reading. Inside Books is a unique media production 